And this is Kenny. <laughs> okay, sorry. This is Mark. <laughs> and this is Kenny. And this is all I want to do is talk about Madonna. Oh, behave. <laughs> Special summer episode. Beautiful stranger. songs that I've been waiting and waiting to get to. I, yeah. I ad- adore this song. Mm. Adore. I never get tired of hearing it. Uh, yes, I think um, this song proves that if Madonna wanted to, she could have just made a bunch of frothy, fabulous pop hits for the rest of her career and just done it. Yes. I mean, this song to me is like a souffle. Oh, oh, test tubed in a, in a factory. They they made it, they created it. It's gorgeous. But it has it has like deep roots. Does it? Yeah. T- oh, tell tell well, what, I what mean, do you mean deep roots? What are you talking I mean, about? It's the story a, itself about this beautiful stranger ha- is is from a like a true place in Madonna's heart. It's not this is not an assignment song even though it's a soundtrack song. Okay. Well, what does a taste for the danger? What does danger taste like? I think I've told you this. I know. I don't want you to say that on (laughs) the archive. Listen, it was a derogatory joke. I actually think this is a good time to say this because I am gonna. I have some some things to talk about that are X rated. Okay. So I just am putting that Should at the top. Should we put a disclaimer on this episode? Well, that's about... what I'm doing right now. Okay. Because I just... also have a deep, deep story about this song and what it means to me. And yeah, there's so... a lot to go over. Why don't we do... Yes. Okay. But let's go back to some basic facts. Well, so um, this, what's so fascinating, this is the first time really uh, since, arguably since Dick Tracy, that Madonna has done a big... Uh, blockbuster kind of appearance on a soundtrack because it is a song. So Austin Powers was uh, the creation of Mike Myers uh, from Saturday Night Live, and he and Madonna obviously had a history together of working together on SNL, and he created a spoof of James Bond called Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, which came out in 1997. It was a movie, Um, and it's kind of a spoof on James Bond and all of those kind of spy uh, espionage uh, films. In 1967, an international secret agent was cryogenically frozen in case the world ever required his services again. Now, evil is threatening the Earth, and the time has come to bring him back into the 90s. It's not unusual. 
Allow myself to introduce myself. Danger powers, personal effects. Actually, my name is Austin Powers. Danger's my middle name. I'm gonna need you to sign these release forms. Okay, name. Sex? Yes, please. In his time, he was the coolest secret agent alive. Unfortunately... It's freedom, baby, yeah! This is not his time. Um, and the film actually was was modestly budgeted, but made like six times its budget back. I think it made it grossed fifty three million dollars, which on paper now doesn't seem to be that much, but it actually kind of was. And uh, Warner Brothers was so hungry for a new franchise, they decided to make a sequel, obviously, and they threw a ton of money at it. And the other thing that was interesting about Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery was that um, the soundtrack, was, which was full of these, like, kitschy bossa nova songs and um, the monkeys, I'm a Believer, is on it. It's, it's kind of a very 60s mod kind of style. Um, and the theme, the Austin Powers theme, which was quite um, popular, it was a big um, uh, record... It, it sold a lot of records. The soundtrack did. And so when the sequel, Austin Powers' The Spy Who Shagged Me, was coming out, was being put together, the soundtrack became this hot commodity because it had sold so many records initially. And so everybody wanted to get on that soundtrack. And Maverick Records produced the soundtrack. Um, Guy O'Seary was the executive producer. And so all kinds of crazy people wanted to be on this soundtrack. Yeah, and it is a really crazy soundtrack. I mean, besides the Madonna track and then uh, Lenny Kravitz has American Woman yeah. on there. Um, my favorite track that's on there that is really a crazy moment is um, Mel B. A.K.A. Scary Spice. In case you didn't know, she's billed that way. Is, um, has done a cover of Cameo's 1985 seminal hit, Word Up. Oh, it's... And it's so bad. I know, it's amazing. It's amazingly bad. <laughs> They went ahead and made a video. Oh, yeah. No, no. Did you see the I, I video? I am aware of the video. <laughs> the video is like, it's like, did they want to make a video to make sure the song failed? <laughs> well, and to Melanie, I mean, Mel G and the, the Sporty Spice, I forget what her name is. Yeah, Mel uh, C. Mel C. Mel C and Mel G, they have the best voices. Mel B. Mel <laughs> Mel D. Um, no, they had the best voices of all of those of all the Spice Girls, and they got the worst musical deals. They 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 made horrible. No, like, their songs suck. No, Mel Mel the other Mel, Sporty Sporty made a couple great songs. Uh, okay. Yeah, isn't like I turn to you or? Yes, that's true. I turn right? to you is a great pop. Yeah, song. that's a really good one. I can't sleep through the lonely. 
But this is also an interesting time period, right? Because it's 1999. It sort of is the end of the reign of Spice Girls. Yes. And it's the be- and it is like, you know, this song, when we talk about it a little more, like at the end of the year, when it was like most played songs of the year, like um, Beautiful Stranger was number two. This was in Britain. was number two after Hit Me Baby One More Time. Yeah. So it's like the entrance of Britney. And NSYNC and the Backstreet yes. Boys and Christina Aguilera. And the exit of the Spice Girls like and Madonna. And it's also, by the way, We'll get back to the soundtrack. The two weeks before uh, Beautiful Stranger came out, J Lo released her first song. Yeah. So we're also in another like J Lo's just becoming J Lo. Well, and and I think what it is is it's kind of this end of it's the the last gasp of that kind of Euro pop music of like Ace of Base. This, yeah. this kind of of um, it's back to kind of homegrown kind of R and 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 also um authentic radio R and B is kind of on the wane as well. And they're gonna kind of start crossing in with as like cameos on pop songs and dance songs. Uh-huh. So there's gonna be kind of an R and B dance mix starting to happen. Yeah, it's the end of the last century. Things are getting a little strange. Yes, yes. And extreme. Everyone's trying to get their last last kind of campy gasps in, which is probably why we get word up by Melanie G. <laughs> um, Mel B. Um, also on the soundtrack um, are uh, uh, Burt Backrack and Elvis Costello singing I'll Never Fall in Love Again yep. and um, R.E.M. doing Drag in the Line, yeah. which is another one of those random... Uh, covers that they did. They did a bunch at the, around this time. They also did a cover of Wichita Lineman that's around Ooh. at this time. And um, But again, this was on Maverick Records, so the lead single, you know, was going to be by our friend Madonna. Yep. Written by William Orbit. Yep. Well, the music written by William Orbit, um, the lyrics by Madonna. Yes. And she says this song is about someone very special particular. Oh, who do you think it's about? She says in a famous voicemail that um, I've never heard, but the there is the um, the uh, transcript of that uh, she wrote this for uh, one of the loves of her life, Andy Bird or Andrew Bird. Yeah. The, who, journal, the British journalist. Yeah. British journalist. Or screenwriter. No. He's a screenwriter. Yeah. 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 He was like um, yeah, and and sort of like Flaneur. Yeah, yeah. Um, a man about town. A great cocktail party guest. Yeah, people, and but lived like a pure artist life. He was like tall, dark, and handsome yeah. and brooding. Yeah. Um, and Madonna was like truly in love with him. Yeah. And, um, and then during Ray of Light promotion, they broke up. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of other sort of details to this story, which I don't know, do we get into today? I mean, I, I, I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, see, see what, what about being a beautiful stranger? Well, she says in the voicemail yeah. that, um, you know, cause he's not returning her calls, mm. which is a famous Madonna thing. Sorry, Madonna. And they're, they're basically broken up, but she's not over him. And she's like, I've written a song about you called beautiful stranger. I hope one day you hear it. That's not a direct <laughs> quote, but that's basically the sentiment. I hope like, one day. I hope one day you hear it. Like it's not going to be on the radio for the next six months. First of all, I am just so in love with you right now, talking with a little piece of ice in your mouth. <laughs> Keep true. doing do it again. It's, it's true. true. It's so true. I got a piece of ice in my mouth because it's so hot <laughs> here in New York, and this song makes me so hot. 
it's, it was the song of the summer, uh, the song of 1999, the summer of 1999. For me, 100%. Was it for the whole world? I I, I think it was. I mean, it, it, it has this kind of, I want to talk about the song. So it has this kind of Euro disco kitschy thing to to the music. It's got a psychedelicness. There's a lot of the band Love and Forever Changes on it, which she denies ever knowing. Um, and there's this weird kind of... Well, it's 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 one part in particular. It's the... Yeah. Which if you listen to the song, which we should right now, it is indeed yeah. the same. I think of something to do Expressions tell everything I see one on you Whoa, 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 whoa My love, she comes in colors You can tell her from the clothes she wears When I was invisible I needed no light You saw right through me, you said Was I out of sight? Whoa, 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 whoa My love, she comes in colors You can tell her from the clothes she wears It's an homage kind of thing, but she claims that she never knew the band. Yeah, but uh, she also didn't make the music. I mean, somehow William Orbit got a little out of it, out of this problem. Yeah. But it is... I mean, it, it's... A, and there's a flute in that song, too. Of course there's a flute. Of course, like in Forever Ch- Forever Changes. No, that's what I mean. Everywhere through that's that. what I mean. I mean, Love is a great band, and that, that album is like a seminal, like, 60s psychedelic. I, I love the song because it, it, it bridges this gap between the kind of serious um, experimentalness of ray of light and the joy that is to come in music. There's a lot of fun on music. And this is like, oh, we're back to having rompy fun. It feels like a romp. Yes, it does. And we haven't had a track like this in, I mean, Mark, when's the last time we've had a romp? Like a romp? Because ray of light isn't a romp. There's no romps on ray of light. There's no romps on something. Um, Oh, God. A r- deeper and deeper is, c- but not really. It's it, that's heavy in a way. I'm going bananas. <laughs> the last romp. The last romp is I'm going bananas. I mean, I don't know if we've really ever had a song like this before, and we I don't think we've ever had one since. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's just so 
it's so contagious, contagious, infectious. <laughs> it's contagious. That song is contagious. No, it's infectious. Infectious. It's infectious. Um, it, it's for me, it's my favorite thing, you know, guitar and Madonna in, um, in the full version, which starts with the guitar yeah. riff. You can really hear how actually folksy the song is. And that version also at the end has like a minute of playing of just the guitars and the flute. And it really just shows you how much of like, it's such a great rock song in a way, pop rock song, like at its basic core. Um, But then you got Madonna in it doing this vocal that this is, and this is one of the times I remember when I heard this the first time I'm like, oh, she's doing that thing where she's, it's going to be hard to sing this song live over and over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Because it does, it goes all up and down her register and, um, it, it the the vocal is both really sexy the 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 verses with the haven't you met it's very like and you can see you can feel her circling circling the chorus it's coming in she's she's gonna she's gonna take her time with these with these verses yeah. she's gonna just kind of like wonder what's going to happen and she gets kind of warmed up if I'm smart then I'll walk away you know she's just getting warm and then and then she kind of comes in for the for the chorus Madonna thing that we love. It says so much. It says everything you need to know. Totally. You don't need any other lines. Well, that's like when you see a beautiful stranger and you just are like... What was the last time you saw a beautiful stranger? I mean, I see beautiful strangers every day. I know. Especially in the summer. And I feel like all the beautiful strangers in New York right now are wearing sexy short shorts. Yeah. I'm trying to wear sexy short shorts. Can and I feel like I oh can. Lord. Oh brother! I feel like I can. You can't. Oh, of course you can. Nobody can tell me I can't, Mark. Of course you can do whatever you want, Kenny Finkel. Thank you, Mark Snyder. <laughs> Just don't do it with me in the room with you. <laughs> Why? Because you wear short shorts. I'm wearing short shorts right now. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited about it too. 
<laughs> and, and, and so was, so were all the beautiful strangers I saw on my bike ride up here. Yeah. So when's the last time you? That's when you saw beautiful I strangers. I saw a beautiful stranger the other day in New York City, and um, mm. and he was a redhead, mm. and um, was uh, ru- urgently walking down the street. <gasps> oh no! Uh, Where do you think trying, he was going? He was. It was early in the day, and he was. It was on Second uh, uh, Avenue. And um, I think he was trying to hail a cab. Oh. He was dressed very nicely. Oh, that's nice. And I was like, I wonder what your life is like. And I think that that's the thing about this song that I really love is there's um, Madonna is wondering what's going on in there. And in this way that's flirty and femme fatale and uh, not dark and like not frustrated. Yeah, well, also it's like, okay, I've seen you at like five different places. Yeah. So what's happening? And um, why do you why do you keep showing up? Yeah. What do I need to learn from you? But she also has the vibe already. Like I can already tell you're not good for me. Oh, of course not. But she has the taste for the danger. <laughs> right. So let's get back to that. What is the taste of danger? I think for it you? tastes like licorice. <laughs> Black licorice or red yes, licorice? Yes, black licorice. Because oh. if you eat too much of it, your mouth turns black. Oh. Interesting. So you got to be careful. You can have a little bit, but you can't have a whole lot. Wow. Yeah. That's what I think danger tastes like. Uh-huh. What about you, Kenny? Well, like, uh, this is... I, I think that danger, a taste of danger is um, ass. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you don't know the person. Oh, but you just like gotten down and started to eat that ass. <laughs> There's a lot of danger there. <laughs> oh, okay. Licorice and ass. Licorice. Let's go back to the licorice. <laughs> I have a taste for danger. It's interesting now because when it came out, I was like, oh my God, this song is so smart. It's so brilliant and so it's so fun and it's so much, it's such a great pop song, random song. I don't, I don't want it on any album. It always feels weird on the collections, like the greatest hits collections. It, it, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, this song. I love that it's kind of its own thing, and 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 I and I wish it could have stayed its own thing, um, but it also it did feel very much like the perfect kind of commercial for the movie. Yeah, agreed. It it really sort of enticed you to be like, oh, this is fun. It's light. It's a little silly. Yeah, it's sexy in its own way. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it did all the things that a, a a great soundtrack song or you know a theme song for a film should do. It's just like bring you you know bring you more into the world. It also points out to the fact that um th- th- this song needed to be a lot of things for a lot of different. Uh, it had a lot of agendas when the song was released. It was, first of all, um, um, a soundtrack song, the lead single off of this uh, soundtrack for this movie that was coming out in the summer, which was going to be a huge, it was marketed as a huge hit and a second part of a big franchise. Two, it's a Madonna song for the summer, and there's going to have to be mixes made for the, for the for the clubs because the song as it is in 1990, it was not going to be a song that was played in the clubs as is. It needed hot remixes. Hot. Hot Victor Calderon. Hello, Victor. Remixes. 
Yes. And there's that one mix that's just phenomenal. The 10 minute and 41 minute. Oh, I love 41 it. 41 seconds. Yeah, I love it too. It's so, so fun. And it's so... It's hot. And 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 it feels summery. It feels yes. sweet. You can feel the sweat on it. I love too that it does this other thing, which is one of my favorite things. You know, I've talked about Madonna and her like breaths. Mm. And that, that mix starts with that. Yeah, yeah. Love it, love it. Um, I have a I have a story about that mix. Okay. This is my triple X story. Okay. All right. Disclaimer, anybody. Giving you a second to turn off if you need to. Okay. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Um, okay, so that summer of 1999, um, I was living, where was I living at this? I was living on 10th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke lived downstairs from me. Okay. I was living in a little garret at the top, at the top sixth floor walk up with my friend Clay. Um, and um, I was totally single and um, I would go to um, the West Side Club like, Every couple of weeks, like I had a membership, the West Side Club being a bathhouse in New York City, which closed over the pandemic. Um, and just over the pandemic, yeah, it was still, okay. isn't that crazy? Um, this it, is all news to me. I don't know about. Did you ever go to the West Side Club? You never no, did. Sex I don't clubs, do bathhouses. bathhouses. No, no. I, sorry, I, and I don't mean that in a slut shamey way. I just mean like it's no, it's no. never been my. Thing. No, I did. I can't see you at one. No, and and particularly <laughs> in smaller cities, I always feel like I'd run into like my history teacher from high school or something. I've run into some very um, interesting people. Yeah, at, at I don't. Bathhouses. I, yeah, like, yeah, the like, less oh. I know, the better. Yeah. Um, I, I've always loved bathhouses. I think that was one of the ways that I, um, felt comfortable and safe in sexuality. I love the mystery of like, who's behind the door. I like that you can go in and out, you know, and like, so, um, anyway, I'm at this sex club and I, at, at, at this bathhouse. Anyway, I'm at this bathhouse, yes. the West Side Club, which was on 20th Street between 5th and 6th. So it was right up the street for me. And um, I meet this guy who, um, and, and this is the truth that I was always, I was there for sex, but I was looking for love. Yeah. So I was always like trying to date the guys that I would meet. Oh, Kenny. At, right. <laughs> oh, Kenny. You know, and it's like, I got a lot of like not responding to you know, calls or I would get the wrong number, you know, somebody would write the wrong number down on purpose so that I can never catch them. You know, like I was poor thing. I was 27, 28, 27. Where did you keep their phone? Like, how did you get their phone? You know, you write it on a piece of paper. Where are these papers and pens? They had them at the West Side Club. You just go to the front and they were on your way out. They were like little pencils, like the little like golf pencils. Okay. And you just write it on a piece of paper, put it in your wallet. Okay. So I meet this guy. Mike. (laughs) Five, five, five. I'm like, who's that? Um, uh, so I meet this guy. He's really, really sexy. He's um, older than me. You know, at the time I was 27. So he's probably in his mid 30s. He is Middle Eastern and he like was obsessed with me. And like he called me like within an hour of us leaving the uh, the sex, the, uh, the bathhouse. And um, I'm not going to say his name. We started to date. And he introduced me to all his friends who were all these really great, fabulous guys who um, the first couple of times I met them, everything was like sort of cool. Like we went out for drinks or whatever and everything was cool. But like the third time we went out, 
with his friends. Um, oh, and we always like, you know, would go out and then we would like have crazy, crazy sex, right? And this is the summer, hot summer. He lived on Union Square on the west, on the east side, right mm-hmm. off of like Irving Place, like yeah. in a beautiful apartment. Oh, nice. I don't even remember what he did, but he was rich. Okay. He had a huge place to himself. Okay. And um, and this was all like, I was like, oh, this is perfect. Um, I love this guy. Everything. The sex was hot, hot, hot. He was mostly the top. So that's the sort of world we were living in. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So the, like the third or fourth time we went out with his friends, like they all started to like leave the table, like in little pairs and then come back and be basically like incoherent. Like, and and I was like, what's going on? What's going on? Like I wasn't being invited to like whatever was going on because I was young and they didn't know if I did any drugs, which I didn't really do any drugs. So then I find out like, well, you know, like what, what's going on? He's like, oh, you know, they all like are doing K in the bathroom and coming back to dinner. And I was like, K? Like, isn't it like a party, like a dance? Tr-? Like, I didn't understand that like people would do that and then like sit down for a meal, but they were all literally like eyes rolling in the back of their heads sitting at dinner, you know? This is like that movie High Art with <laughs> Ali Sheedy all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. So I, so then, so, oh, and this is, this is part of the story too. So then like, it maybe been like three or four weeks and things were like kind of working out with him. Like we were, it was all really good. I even like, he was like, this is super impulsive, but we're all going away for a weekend. Will you come? And I went with them on a weekend away. And Where'd was, you go? Do you remember? You uh, yeah, we went to um, New Hope. Oh, oh, that's nice. Yeah, and partied. They didn't do a lot of drugs around me then. It was just a group of, I, I don't remember drugs being a major part of it then. So then, so then also it was like the beginning of my playwriting career and I had um, a play about three stewardesses um, okay. who live in, um, who are, um, who work at the same air, small airline and it had gotten a little traction and I was doing a staged reading of it at the Williamstown Theater Festival that summer. And so, and it was like, so I, I was like, boyfriend whose name I'm not going to name, I'm going up to Williamstown for a week to go do this reading or four to five days or whatever. I'll be back. I'll see you then. He didn't even understand like what I did or anything, you know. He's like, okay. So I go up to Williamstown and uh, side note on Williamstown, it was also the summer that um, Gwyneth was there doing a show. Yeah. And I saw Gwyneth um, and I, all I wanted to do was be like... Um, is Madonna coming to see you in your show? <laughs> Should I hang out? She was like Gwyneth. You know, she had been at Williamstown like every summer since she was like was 12. Was she doing like a Chekhov play? Or? I think it was Shakespeare. Okay. I think. I can't remember now, okay. to be honest. I didn't see it. Um, but there's like, they have a cabaret, you know, mm-hmm. in the evenings and she was there to perform. Um, I don't know. I think she was just there to watch. And she walked by me and she was just like, she was just like the cool girl at school. Like she just, I wasn't, you know, she didn't even see me. She didn't come to my reading. Oh, I thought she was going to play one of the stewardesses. You know who did play a stewardess though is um, the amazing Catherine Hahn. Oh, a young, a young Catherine, Catherine Hahn already like had the thing. Yeah, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I come back from that reading, which was great. Everything was great. It was Catherine Hahn, Kath- Karen Ziemba. Wow. And Katie Finneran, just to give us the, Whoa. Like, the whole sense. Oh, theater people. That's a great trio. It was amazing. What a weird trio. Like, I would see those three in it. It was amazing. Yeah. And why didn't it have more traction? That's Williamstown for you, that you can get those three women to do that play. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 
yeah, it was maybe, yeah, it was amazing. So I come back from that and the boyfriend, his name, I'm not going to say is like, come over, come over, come over. So I go over and he's like, um, really weird. Like he's like manic and, um, he's, um, like, um, let's fuck, let's fuck, let's fuck right now. And so like he, Brags, drags me to the bedroom. Oh, and he's playing. The whole reason this is about beautiful stranger is that he's playing the Calderon mix on loop, like over and over again. Oh like, my god! Every time we hooked up, he would play this song, um, but not always on loop. But tonight it was on loop, and so it's like playing and it's blasting through the apartment. He's like dragging me into the bedroom. And was he a big Madonna fan? I guess so, but we never talked about it. It was the like, summer it was of just, 1999. It, yeah, yeah, so this was yeah, like... This so, was the song, yeah. So, like, we're in the bedroom, and he's, like... Um, he, like, takes all his clothes off. He gets on the bed. He, like, opens his legs up, and he's like, fuck me, fuck me, fuck me. And I'm like, oh, my God, because we've never... Like, yeah. you know, and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, he's like, oh, I, I can't. I, this is the part I should whisper to you because it's just so dirty and I'm not going to even say it. Just, you know, like bleep, 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 bleep. Finally, like we get to it and I'm like, I was like, you are like so wild right now. What's going on? He's like, oh, so-and-so, one of his friends had been over earlier and they, well, had been over for two days and they had been doing cocaine for two days. Oh and God. he was like grabbing, you know, like sex toys, all this stuff, which I, I'm totally into. I have no judgments about, but it was like so extreme. And I was like overwhelmed and also sort of turned off because he was so not connected yeah. that I just couldn't, you know, I sort of just like left. Was and that it? That was it. That was the end. Um, wow. I don't, and I think he knew it was the end. And I think in a way, like he just wanted to be like, he was tired of being like, a good boy with me, you know what I mean. He wanted to show all sides of himself. Yeah, so he would no longer being a stranger. Traumatizing story, Kenny Finkel. Do you think you were blinded by the electricity that you felt with him to the the warning? Oh, signs? for sure. Yeah. I mean, I wanted to. They were a faster crowd. They were older. They were rich. 
Yeah. You know, they were successful New Yorkers. They were all beautiful. They wore beautiful clothes. They, all of them had great bodies. And I wanted to be... What happened to him? Do we know what happened to him? No, you know, I've tried to look him up online. I can't find him. He's become a stranger again. Yeah. I've never seen him again. Wow. I mean, yeah. it, it does kind of, of uh, key into the themes of the song, which is like like a stranger almost is the best version of a love affair because you can create anything you want and put it on that person. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't know yet the nitty gritty. There's something... Uh, um, the, the the fantasy of what you can create, like just seeing like somebody on the street, you can create a whole narrative around them that has, may have, have nothing to do with reality. Well, you can even be with somebody for six, seven weeks yeah. and not know reality. Not know who they are. Wow. Yeah. Even longer, right? Well, my, my connection to this song is so much more nostalgic and sweet. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be well, a letdown. Let's do this as a salve. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll bring us back from the dirty corners of Irving Place. Um, <laughs> So, so um, I was I graduated uh, college in the summer in the spring of 1999, oh, and um, this song is it came out in May. So the song was recorded in February um, in LA, and then it came out in May to kind of kick off the campaign for the the movie, which I think came out like I want to say Memorial Day, maybe Memorial Day. Yeah, that sounds about of, right. Of 99, yeah. and. So um, all that all that May, uh, I was listening to this song nonstop as I was finishing up my finals, as I was getting ready to graduate, um, and I was asked to speak at my graduation. At the at the uh, there was a, a pre ceremony before the actual graduation. I spoke at that, and um, I was dating at the time my first serious boyfriend, and we were going to Chicago. We were driving to Chicago. The night of my graduation to uh he was moving to chicago that some at the end of that summer and we were looking for apartments we were going to go look at apartments and so i went to um i went to my graduation and i spoke and then we did the graduation and then uh, i went with my family my whole family out to lunch including my dad because my parents are divorced and i was like i'm not doing a separate meal with each of you i'm going to chicago tonight so we're doing it all together so it was the first time my dad had dined with my family collectively in like like 15 years my sister had never seen my mom and dad together like that so it was quite a heady day um but the boyfriend and i um we left and and went to chicago that night and um i didn't realize and and listening to Beautiful Stranger the entire time. What was your boyfriend's name, or you don't want to say? Uh, John. His my first boyfriend's name was John, and um and I didn't realize this would happen. I was very cavalier about ending school. I loved going to college. I loved my experience. I was very cavalier about everything. So I was like, okay, see ya. Drove out of town, went to Chicago for four days. When I got back, I realized, and I hadn't thought of this, because I was living off of campus my senior year. I had an apartment. Everybody had left. So my college experience was gone when I got back from Chicago. I had dro driven out of town. Everyone was still around and everything. And in the because remember, when you graduated... Your lease, you had to be out of your dorm rooms, you had to be out, da, 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 da. all of these things kind of culminated in one like fell swoop, one weekend. So when I got back, everyone that I had gone to school with was gone. Like everybody had left town. And it was it was summer. Weird. 
And I was devastated. That was when I realized, and I hadn't realized that that would happen. It just didn't occur to me. And I was devastated. I cried and cried. I was like, oh, it's over. Because I thought I'd have more time. Like, I just didn't even think about it. And so then, a couple days later, we were getting ready to move. I was moving to New York, and John was moving to Chicago. And we went to a wedding. My friend Pete Pinson got married. And we went to this wedding in Ohio. And uh, it was me and my fraternity brothers and all these people from college and uh, older friends, not my classmates, because they were all gone. And uh, they would not play any Madonna music except this one song. So the second the song started, John and I got up and we danced and danced to this song one last... And it was the last time because then we, we, we moved. We yeah. left. And it was devastating. And we didn't break up. We, 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 it dragged on for years and years <laughs> after that. But it was kind of... It, Beautiful Stranger to me has always been this culmination. It's a graduation song for oh, me. Wow. Wow. because And we danced to it and, and they played what the nice thing was about my fraternity brothers. They knew what it meant to me and they played the 10-minute mix <gasps> oh my God. for us. Whoa. So we had 10 minutes to dance by our... Nobody else I was going to just that. say... Just two of us danced for 10 <laughs> minutes to this song. Oh my God. And then we like he flew he went he drove to Chicago I drove to New York. I mean I can just see the two of you especially when like that synth part starts. And you're just like going and all your frat brothers are just hanging out watching you. It, it, it's always felt like this kind of final thing yeah. of that, of my childhood, of my college years. It was like, okay, now it's time to get serious. It's maybe it's your, would you say it's your last song of the millennium? Yes, I think so. I think so. Interesting. I think so. And I, I, I was not, uh, there was so much going on in, in 1999 already yeah. that, um, by that everyone was like, oh, the millennium, the millennium, Y2K. Y2K and all this. <laughs> I was like, the last thing I'm worried about is that. Yeah. I think, you know, on that note, like, I, I do think Waiting for Tonight is my last song of the millennium because of that video and yeah. the Y2K concerns. And I that song was when I really clicked into like, oh, J-Lo is... She's formidable. Yeah. 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 Um, Do you want to talk about the video for the song? Yes, but I, I, I want to circle back just for a minute to yeah. Andy Bird and, and Guy Ritchie because, okay. because this is the this is that moment where Guy really enters the story. And the reason that I say that is because I remember this was still during TRL times. Yes. And I remember Carson Daly introducing this video. Yeah. And saying how beautiful she looks in it and that yeah. she probably hasn't, that it's the best she's looked in forever, which I 100% agree and I want to talk about. Um, but he also says, he tell, he, I remember him saying in the intro that he that Madonna was dating this British filmmaker and I was like, who, who, who? And then find out it's Guy Ritchie. But there was like, um, 
there's I have this theory that Guy Ritchie is actually the rebound. Oh. That Andy Bird was the real love and that then she was down and out. She was down because of this horrible relationship that was working out. And then she, Sting invite Sting and Trudy invite her to a party, right, to cheer her up. And they're yeah. like, we have somebody we want you to meet. And then there she's introduced Guy to Guy Ritchie and then things start to take off. Yeah. And I want to point up, um, there were a couple news items about this. Um, <laughs> there was a fight between Guy Ritchie and Andy Bird. Did you know about this? No. I'm just going to read this. This is from People Magazine, April 2nd, 1999. I'm just going to read the whole item, okay? Okay. Two of Madonna's beaus, Guy Ritchie and Andy Bird, both of whom are filmmakers, reportedly got into a brawl over her this weekend at London's Trendy Met Bar. Oh. The two met and apparently started talking about their mutual admiration for the pop star. Uh, we were comparing notes about Madonna when he suddenly hit me, Bird told Britain's Mirror newspaper. There were reports of drinks flying and of Bird doing the same. It came from nowhere, he said of Richie's alleged punch, and I just couldn't believe it. Madonna was a good 6,000 miles away attending a pre-Oscar bash in Hollywood with a different man altogether. Hunk <laughs> hunky Sugar Ray rocker Mark McGrath. Oh, you remember no. that? Remember that? Um, when eventually asked about the skirmish in Madonna in London, Madonna reportedly buttoned her lip. Oh, so, oh Matt. Oh, my <laughs> God. I was wondering if we would bring that up. <laughs> so anyway, I just wanted to place that there as like st that that I, I connect that to the video because that's the first time I had heard of Guy Ritchie. Yeah. And then when I looked at the video, I was like, oh, it looks to me like Madonna's getting fucked really well. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? I, I, um, a, a few things. I do, <laughs> I, I like this idea that he was a rebound. Um, and I love Trudy and Sting for trying to scoop Madonna up. Um, I kind of want to know how Guy and Andy Bird found each other at the Met Bar and how, like, Madonna came, like, was, yeah. a, was, was Ingrid with them being like, you guys should know each other. Well, this is my guess is that I think Andy Bird was a man about town and he was in all the hip places. Like, yeah. And so, and Guy Ritchie was the same. I mean, people, you know, he was always trying to hang out and cultivate like a gangster yeah. life, but he was a rich boy. And even all the real gangsters were always like, oh, that's daddy. That's the daddy's boy, you know, but he was out and about too. And okay. my guess is that everybody knew Madonna and Andy Bird were dating at some point. Yeah. And that maybe it was before Guy and her were getting really serious or maybe not. But um, my guess is that when they saw each other, you know, probably Andy, from what I can, I, I'm going to make Andy the bad guy in this case, even though I think, you know, I'm always anti-guy. Though, we'll talk about that later. Um, <laughs> You're uh, everywhere but, today. <laughs> it's summer. Oh my God. I just want to put my short shorts you on. Pour, you pour the, you, um, you're going to have to edit this. I mean, it's going to be a hot mess. <laughs> um, uh, but, but here's uh, the thing. I, here's the thing that I think is interesting about it is I do think that um, uh, Guy Ritchie getting in a brawl made Madonna be like, okay, he likes me. Yeah. No, I think <laughs> she, this was hot She for her. was really into She was like, Matt, I got to go home. I got a headache. And I think she left him. Why well, don't, do you think, I mean, the Matt McGrath thing was I just. I think it was a stunt. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. she was just like, yeah. they were like, Matt needs a date. Madonna's like, I'll take him. Yeah. And she picks him up in his, in her car. She drives. You remember all the yeah. pictures of her driving? Good Love one. it. Love it. Madonna in the car. Um, Anyway, the video. video. <laughs> so the video, I, I love the video because uh, I love that she's a spy. 
Yes. <laughs> she's a spy. She's finally a spy. Yeah. And she uh, like they there's a whole storyline with with uh, with Austin Powers. Yeah. Yeah. This is Madame X before her. She loses the one. Yeah. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Austin. Hey, Basil, how are you? We need your help. Someone is seducing our top agents. As you can see, she's a master of disguise. <laughs> but Austin, whatever you do, don't fall in love. We've already lost 007 and 008. Well then, Basil, this looks like a case for double ugly hang. <laughs> First of all, Madonna does look amazing. This is like the beginning of a stunningly physical, beautiful era. Well, I want to talk about, first of all, what she's wearing in the video yeah. is that's another outfit I would I would be happy to wear. Okay. The little capri pants, yes. right? Yes. And a kind of tank toppy. It's not a tank top. We've never caught a tank top, but it's like a it's more lingerie. Yeah. And there so, and there's a love there then there's a bra underneath cuz she's yes. like she does a lot with like pulling it up. And, yes. And heels. Yes. Um and And I think she's starting to hit the gym like the weights again. Yeah, her body looks really strong and yeah. clear. The thing that's most beautiful is um her hair oh. and makeup, right? Which I want to point to the hair. Let's talk about the hair for a second cuz I don't think we get this hair ever again. Oh, no. This is a transitionatory hair that was really great. The color, the It's like the car length. caramel. Yeah. It's beautiful. Oh, it's so gorgeous. And then the makeup is... Uh, I, I've always been obsessed with the makeup, and now they've um, just re-released the video in like HD, and so you can really oh, see yeah. it again. And like um, Kevin Aquan did yes, her makeup. He, he did. had done her makeup on Power of Goodbye, too. Mm -hmm. um, but this is like... Um, uh, beyond this is iconic, literally iconic, and right. also Kevin I Kevin Aquan. I want to take a second. Kevin Aquan. Let's talk about Kevin Aquan. So Kevin Aquan uh, was a very very famous uh, makeup stylist in the nineties, um, and um, he was very 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 close friends with Cher. He did a lot with Tori Amos. Tori Amos, very close. Gorgeous. All of the 90s, Tori. Mary uh, Tyler Moore. Mary Tyler Moore. All <laughs> kinds of J-Lo. Yeah. Um, every, and uh, Cindy Crawford. He yeah. was the go-to. Naomi for, Campbell. For about five years. Yeah, everybody says he's a miracle worker. Like, he could do things. He could, make, he could bring out the things in your face that no one else could that mm -hmm. he like looked at the the faces like a, a you know a blank slate and like the canvas and then would pull out pull out pull out and that um uh he he sort of became like a bigger brand as time went on or he had these great books that came out i think one is called like making face or, yeah yeah um and um that sort of talked about all of the stuff that he did tall thin cute gay 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 from louisiana very yeah. out very very clear about like um that coming to new york and becoming a makeup artist like you know that this saved his life that he was really you know um 
persecuted in yeah. the South for being gay, um, and that um, he was a, he was an outspoken gay activist. And yeah. My one little connection to him, little story, and then I just want to talk about him a little bit more is when I was in graduate school. One of my um, internships I did was I worked at the Hedrick Martin Institute, and I yeah. taught playwriting to um, st- high school students. Um, there who, and if you don't know the Hedrick Martin Institute, Harvey Milk School, was school yeah. for LGBTQIA um, youth, um, a lot of who were um, transitioning or, you know, and um, and this was a safe place for them. So I taught there for a year and did all kinds of projects with them. And one day when I got there, they were like, oh, we're not going to have class today because Kevin Aquan is coming. And he did a makeup tutorial with all of the kids. Wow. And then he showed a video of all these superstars who said hello to the kids, um, including Jennifer Lopez. I think this is a Jennifer Lopez episode. I don't know, because I just saw the documentary halftime and I'm like obsessed with her, but uh, re-obsessed. Must but, be nice. <laughs> but um, what do you mean? I'm not into Jen. I'm, I'm not obsessed with Jen. I, don't, I, I get it, but I'm... I think you should see the documentary. I got no skin in the game. I think you should see the documentary and see how you feel. Um, and then we can talk about it another right. time. But um, anyway, he was just like the greatest, kindest, yeah. sweetest person. Well, and 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 a lot of his a lot of his uh, uh, clients say that, like yeah. like the vulnerability and the open emotion that he brought uh, allowed them to be more vulnerable. And and, yeah. and people, when he died, sadly, he died. Um, yeah, he had a crazy. He had a he had. Uh, a tumor that also caused this other disease to happen where his like bones were growing and mm-hmm. he was in extreme pain yeah. and he started to take um, more pain meds as well. And so he sort of, it had a very sad ending. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but when, when he died, a lot of people talked about how the thing they were going to miss most about him were the talks they had yeah. during the makeup set, yeah. the sessions versus the actual looks and the work yeah. was the the person he was was the was the thing that they they were gonna miss the most about him yeah and that, that I think that says a lot and and every once in a while it's it's very interesting Cher will every once in a while post a photo like he's not he's one of these artists that um, was in danger of being forgotten but because of who he was as a person I don't think it will ever be forgotten yeah well his. You know, there's a brand now. He has, like the the there's a company that's all of his makeup and stuff, which is great, but also makes me sad. You know, it's like yeah. commodified after his death. But um, yeah, I think that his spirit was what brought out the beauty. Um, and I I think I'd be so you know he I think that he had done two things with Madonna. My guess is there would have been more. Yeah, and. Um, but that's besides the point. Well, he she, was fabulous. she has such confidence physically in this song, in the video of yeah. this. And I think that that's part of why is she knows she looks amazing. Yeah. And she knows that there's something, um, there's something otherworldly about her in the video, the way it's shot. She's almost like a Venus character. She's yeah. There's a lot of things of her being shot from below, yep. of her kind of peering down at you. And um, all those squats, she does a lot of like get, getting down where she's like down there. Yeah. And then kind of getting out of the like g- moving away from you again um the close-ups i mean the hair the eyes yeah the lighting is so gorgeous it's really captivating and 
then and then there's this kind of psychedelic celebration on the dance floor yeah. with Austin Powers, which akins to Ray of Light. Yeah. So it feels like a sister in some ways to Ray of Light. Well, it has a lot of sonically. It sounds a lot like Ray of Light, and and that there's a tinge to the color of the palette of yeah. the video that that feels like Ray of Lights, and yeah. um, and then at the end, uh, he uh, uh, um, Austin Powers and Madonna, the spy, um, decide to chuck it all and go for a joyride together. Right. I mean, who knows what has to happen after that? Are they going to try to kill each other? But for now, we're in the Oh, ride. I think she poisons him. Oh. But he has such a reserve up yeah, already because yeah. he's been trained. One thing from the video that I always remember is in, on the dance floor, there's that one guy with like the bleach blonde hair. Yes. He's kind of sexy. Oh, yeah. Anybody know him? No. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, please, please. He was the beautiful stranger for me in that he video. He was the beautiful. He is the beautiful stranger. He, yeah. And he's really one of the only people that stand out because yeah. everybody, yeah. I mean, it feels like it's one of those videos where I'm kind of like, are there like 20 people in this room yeah. and they're just shooting it different ways to make it look like there's like 150 people? Yeah. Well, well, it's hard to say if she's even. She's definitely there with people at, for some of it, but I'm not guessing, for the close-ups. Yeah, I think but she's guessing, alone, yeah. alone, yeah. alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in some ways, it feels like a really quickly made video. Yeah, uh, but in, uh, but it's very effective in the way that it it works. Yeah, I think uh, Brett Ratner, who also directed um, the movie, yeah. um, directed the video, and I think he had the sensibility. But they also, re it's really a music video, and yeah. it's great. Yeah, it's great. It's really, really great yeah um and the song the song i mean you know madonna did do it live on the drowned world tour for the whole duration yep. it included a little clip of austin powers so i i do always connect it to austin powers in this weird strange way even though i mean she just did it again on tears of a clown in just, 2016 yeah you know and well, i yeah she did it in the Miami show. Did she yeah. do it? Yeah. No, she didn't um, do it in Australia. And in the Miami show, and we'll talk, we have to have a whole thing about Tears of a Clown at another time. Yeah. But she she has an intense relationship with the audience through that whole thing. And for this song, she wants to do a lap dance on somebody's lap, but the guy, she keeps being like, sit down, sit down. And like the guy isn't listening to her. And then she's like, everybody needs to sit down because I'm going to walk through the crowd. And you can, this is literally while the song is playing. <laughs> and she's like, because I'm going to walk through the crowd and you won't be able to see me. Can anybody, everybody sit down? And like nobody's sitting down. <laughs> and she's like, fine. And then she just says it. But actually, it's a pretty great version of the song. the version in Drowned World too. I think it's kind of great. Sure. You know, when we get to it and we're watching the, the 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 film version of the show, I remember thinking, oh, it's kind of boring. But when I watched it back, I thought it was fabulous. Oh, it, it's fabulous. It's fabulous. Again, I, I never am going to release this song from where it, it exists in nostalgic wise for me. And it's always attached to Fair. the soundtrack of the album and to uh, uh, the the video to it and I always am like oh yeah that song um, I'd feel the same way if I'll remember like not in the way that I'll remember fits on something to remember it's it's a different kind of connection I uh -huh. think um, this was a huge uh, hit yeah huge huge hit it, it and it made the soundtrack a huge hit and yeah. um, 
What's interesting is is that um, they released another soundtrack called More Music from the Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and they include the radio remix of Beautiful oh, Stranger fine. on it, as well as... Uh, a the first new song in like ten years by my favorite uh eighties band, the Bangles. Oh. So uh Susanna Hoffs uh covers the look of love on the original Austin Power soundtrack because her husband is Jay Roach, who yep. works very closely with us uh, with um uh, Mike Myers, and then uh, they uh, they couldn't get the rights to a, a a song for the for Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me, and the and the Bangles went into a studio and did a song called Get the Girl, oh. and they put it in the movie. It's in the movie, but it did wasn't put in in time to make the soundtrack. So when they re released they released the second album, they the Bangles were back to, reunited and doing a song together, which oh, nice. I thought was really, really wonderful. I love the Bangles. I love they're my they were my favorite band growing up. My yeah. favorite girl band. They were one of the first records I ever bought was A Different Light <sighs> oh, by God, the Bangles. Yeah. Such a good album. And to this day, it is my biggest regret in life that I never got to see them live. Yeah, I, mi- I miss that too. I also really love Hero Takes a Fall from the first album. Uh, Do you know that song? Bring oh, it. Well, so my good. favorite bangle is Michael Steele, the bassist. Yes, yes. Uh, and she wrote a song called Following yes, that I, I love, love, that love, love, that's on Different Light. Yeah. And she retired from the band like... 10 years ago uh-huh. um, and I uh, is very reclusive like she never comes out so I think if they ever make it into the Rock Roll Hall of Fame yeah. I think she would come and reunite with them then and I would go to I would fly to wherever that is because oh. I'd love to see them live one, all four of them once together which I never got to do one of my favorite 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 Bengal songs uh, favorite songs ever probably in life is a song called Complicated Girl uh, which Michael Steele wrote There are like multiple covers of this song that are... And, and why is that? Why is this song one of the ones that people cover? I think because... Well, here my, here's my theory. Because of that killer chorus? I think, I think because it's a beautiful melody. Yeah. I think the lyrics feel true, which we've assessed mm-hmm. they probably are. And I think that the the chords, it's it's really it really is so much more of a rock song yeah. than anything else. Like, I mean, it's pop, but like it's an easy chord you know, progression. It's very, um, and it's pleasurable to play. And, but there've been versions that the, most of the versions are more rock heavy. Yeah. 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 Um, and less, and less like, um, uh, it's psychedelic yeah. and, and light and airy. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. There's one, uh, the lead singer from the posies does one. That's a kind of, um, more thoughtful version and mm-hmm. DMAs, which is a British band, yeah, does yeah, one. Yeah. And then um, recently, this band Skating Polly did one, which I really like. Yeah, I, I I listened to it too, and I really like that. That's a version because that doesn't sound like it's them trying to imitate Madonna.
and it and it's an interesting. It, it, it occupies it into like I like I said earlier. It kind of it brings back some of the fun and the rompiness of of Madonna's work with William Orbit. It does point the way to music, and it also, for better or for worse, lays the groundwork for our the next soundtrack appearance, which is yeah. the next best thing in two thousand in early two thousand. So, like, it, there there is a kind of bridge between the songs on Ray of Light, this American Pie and uh, Time Stand Still, and then into music. Yeah, and I think that. Uh, we can we can debate the que- the quality of those soundtrack recordings, but this is a time where Madonna um, has opted not to go on tour and instead is is um, rolling the Hollywood dice again. And she's doing yeah. this, and then she's going to do a, a film with Rupert Everett that she's going to put all of her muscle behind, and we'll see what happens with that. It was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Song Written for Visual Media, and it was also nominated for Best Pop Vocal Performance at the Grammys, and it was nominated for a Golden Globe, but lost to a Phil Collins song, I think from the Hercules soundtrack called (laughs) You'll Be My Heart, (sighs) which, okay, I buy that. But where it really cleaned up was at the 1999 MTV Music Awards, which might as well have been called... A tribute to Madonna. Oh yeah, this is a great MTV I Music Awards. I forgot about this. Really? Yeah, you did. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, I forgot that this was the time, dude. We've been talking about I, who? Oh my god. Okay, so the 1999 music uh, video music awards. So by 1999, MTV was kind of you know. How do we stay relevant? How do we keep things? How do we keep being must-see TV? And their solution then was to amp up uh, Madonna's presence there. (laughs) So she wins. She wins um, uh, best female video uh, given to her by Mark McGrath from right and Jennifer Lopez. They present her with this, and she she's greeted with a standing ovation. Well, this she's, is early in the show. She's the old guard. She is. She's the old guard. She's got the uh, dark brown hair. She's wearing some kind of like um, fabulous like Victorian coat. And she kind of gets up on stage and thanks everybody and, you know, makes it. She's very chill. She's very, um, um, very statesmanlike. Yeah. And then later in the in the show, near the end, to present best video of the year, uh, they do all those drag queens come out through right. their performance, and they all through the eras. I think there's probably over a dozen of them that come out from yeah. all the different videos. And then and she the, walks through, and then Madonna yeah. comes yeah. out to Beautiful Stranger. Everyone stands back up again, like yeah. she hasn't already shown up, and she kind of walks down the the row of all the all the, the she inspects the, them the queens. She shakes the hand of the first of the of the Madonna in the wedding dress. And then she takes a bow with all of them and says, All I have to say is that it takes a real man to fill my shoes. Give them all a big round of applause. And then she, then they, then she introduces Paul McCartney, oh, who right. shows up, and then the two of them give the Best Video of the Year award. Amazing. So it's kind of like a... A, um, a, uh, a, a, it's, it, yeah, you know, well, I, I'm yeah. kind of like, you, she hasn't been away that long. She was there last year, hawking Ray of Light. But something's changed. But she also has this thing where she, she, it's like we become aware that she's now 
befriended Paul McCartney. Yes. Um, even though they may have been friends before or known each other. But she talks about, oh, I'm interested in talking to celebrities who have children about how they, how do they survive my celebrity, you know what I mean? And so she's consciously interested in like, how did you raise Stella, who then becomes a very good friend of hers and yeah. a designer who she works with a lot. But she's interested in like, what are the pathways for children of famous people? And she talks about this really overtly. So it's not only is it like prestige, like yeah. well, she, it's Madonna and the Beatle, but it's also like she's there learning something about like how she's going to raise her children. Yeah, from, yeah. You know what I mean? Their Others parents done together. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, there's one other yes. uh, mix that I... So I know we don't talk a lot about bootleg and, and um, <gasps> un, unauthorized recordings, but um, in the um, mid-teens, there was a mashup made of Beautiful Stranger and Small Town Boy by Bronski Beat. Oh, okay. That is so... You'd think it's wackadoo. It's so cool, and I love it. It's just a great version, and I think it's called Small Town Beautiful Stranger or Small Town Stranger or something. Right. And it's a great version of those two songs interwoven together. Great. All right. So go listen to that, too, this weekend. Yeah, yeah baby. Happy Pride, everybody. <laughs> it's like way after Pride. Is it? Yes. Oh, it's shoot, like, it like July. Or oh, August. gosh. Okay, so. well, have a great summer, everybody, and we'll see you soon to start... Talking about um, Don McLean. Oh, uh, let's Don try McLean, this again. Let's Rupert try this again. Everett, <laughs> and a, and a closeted Neil Patrick Harris. Was he in the closet then? Yes. Oh, God. Well, no. This is, <laughs> we need a, we need a brighter note to end on. Um, you all. I don't know. Oh, Jesus. Oh, take it. You didn't like mine. Um. Listen, I hope the end of your summers are... Let's not talk about the end of the summer, Kenny. Okay, okay. It's just summer. I hope your summers are amazing. I hope your summers are amazing. Have fun. Do something you haven't done before. Wear some short shorts. Oh, gosh. Or capri pants. Wear some capri pants. Yeah, let's bring back the capris. I'm not wearing them. I never wore them. Did you ever? You you probably wore them. I wore capris, but I like like her capris are like a, almost like a linen suit pant mm. that was create material that was made into a capri. Yeah, so beautiful. Oh, hello. Hello. Till next time. Bye.